0: Hello, listeners, and welcome to another episode of the Games We Love podcast. I'm your host, Aaron White, and you are listening to the show that promotes positive gaming discussion, featuring interviews and conversations with passionate gamers, including journalists, developers, podcasters, streamers, critics, and other diehard video game fans about a personal game that they love. In this episode, I am joined by the lady in charge of GamesRadar.com, Sam Leverage. Welcome to the show, Sam.
1: Hello there.
0: I am so excited to have you, and I am going to start right here, because, lady in charge, I pulled this out of your bio,
1: and I just
0: <laughs> loved it, because I was like, that is a great way to identify yourself. So, just what is it exactly that you do at GamesRadar? Are you the lead editor, or what would your official title be?
1: Uh, my official title is Global Editor-in-Chief,
0: Ooh, which sounds pretty Global? Fancy. Yeah. <laughs> Outstanding. Well, maybe we'll find out more about what exactly that means here in a little bit. I want to start, though, um, as I always do on this show, by going all the way back and finding out what your history with gaming is. Where did it begin? What has your journey been like? So kind of starting, I guess, usually at your childhood, what was the first thing you played and and how did you get into this hobby?
1: (laughs) Uh, I think... The very first thing I played was my my next door neighbour growing up had a the original Game Boy and um he was playing Super Mario Brothers and I was like, Oh, what is this magic box full of like crazy worlds that I need to need to get involved with? So I think like I decided that I didn't want any Easter eggs from my family that year. Um and it was Easter was just around the corner, so I was like, I really want one of these Game Boy things. And they got me a Game Boy Pocket, and it had Super Metr—uh, not Super Metroid, no, just the original Metroid on it, and Super Mario Brothers, and that was it. Like, I was basically inseparable from every Game Boy that was released from then right up until the Switch today. And I had, you know, PlayStations along the way, uh, the Xbox 360 as well, but it, w- it was Nintendo and the handheld genre that really got me into games, because we used to travel a lot when I was a kid, and and it was always like... I was an only child, so it was a nice distraction from, you know, sitting with your family all the time and um, and trying to be, you know, a kid on holiday, and yeah, it just grew from there really, and, and the more I played, the more I wanted to learn about games, and I always was interested in the technology behind gaming as well, like how the consoles worked, and you know, I was always trying to beg my dad to get a better PC so I could play more Sims, and because I was just like, oh, you know, what's a <laughs> CPU, what's a GPU, what are these yeah. magical things? Uh, powering these these worlds that I'm obsessed with, so yeah, I think that's where it started really, just seeing somebody else playing a Game Boy and then being like, I want in on this.
0: That's awesome. I I think that that's a very unique story. I mean, I'm sure other people share that, but typically a lot of folks it's consoles, right? And so, uh, or not handheld, not handheld versions of consoles. Yeah. Did you? experiment with others than nintendo along the way have you have you gone with the vita or the uh, was it the Netgear? i remember having one that had this game california S- summer it had like surfing and i can't remember i think oh it was a sega what was it, it was the sega um i can't Gosh. think it was in the 90s uh um, ga-
1: game gear no. yeah
0: maybe it was the game gear yeah. Maybe that's what it was that I had.
1: Um, It was the only thing I've
0: ever owned outside of a Vita and, you know, Nintendo products. But anything else for you?
1: It was always, always the Nintendo handhelds. Um, I did do Vita and PSP as well, um, because I was, you know, very much a PlayStation gamer from the PS1 days. So they were like my two, my two mains, like PlayStation, Nintendo, and then like, Xbox crept in there with the 360 because like everyone who I went to university with was on 360. And I was like, hmm, maybe I need one of these one of these magical boxes. Um, <laughs> so yeah, so yeah, I've 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 always had a, a real big affiliation with handhelds. I think just because. I like to play them wherever I go. Like, my boyfriend thinks I'm bonkers. I play my Switch, like, at train platforms, on the bus. So like, it's just like, people are looking at you. You're grown <laughs> up. And I'm like, I don't care.
0: <laughs> right, yeah, I know that. And that's awesome. That's why they made the Switch, right? That's exactly what it is for. It's fascinating to me because I'm not that way. Uh, I don't play mobile almost ever. And so my Switch never leaves its dock.
1: Oh but that's gosh.
0: that I know right but that's the beauty of it is that I also know you know so many friends who have babies who the only time they can game is with that thing in their lap because yeah. not the baby but well, I mean the baby's in the lap <laughs> usually both right the baby's in the lap and therefore they have to use the switch
1: use it with a little prop. It's fine. exactly the
0: switch <laughs> so it's really awesome that that console um exists well I wanted to find out about how you got to become lady in charge of games radar and how did you go from a hobby gamer, like so many of us are as we grow up enjoying this for fun and wanting even to learn more about it to doing something in the games journalism world where you're running this website that hosts reviews and videos and all sorts of amazing content?
1: Oh, thank you. Firstly, um I appreciate that. Um I went I went to university, I did an English an English degree thinking that I'd probably become a teacher. Um, cause that felt like the natural progression from an English degree. Um, but ended up taking a, a, a year abroad after I'd finished my degree and, and, and stumbling into journalism through, through an aunt. Um, she knew some people who worked. I actually moved to Singapore for a year, did some, um, internships over there, uh, with like Harvest Bazaar and sort, sort of thought, oh, maybe I could go into, into fashion journalism. But like, I'm a six foot tall, broad woman. Uh, it's who doesn't lend themselves to fashion that well, uh, in terms of like, you know, fashion magazines and stuff. So I was just like, you know, it was really interesting to see that side of, side of the industry, but my affiliation always lied with technology and games. So I thought, you know, I'll come back to the UK, try and do a journalism degree and see what happens. And I was lucky enough to, to, to bag myself an, a two week internship with the UK magazine T3. It was a tech magazine. Worked a little bit on the mag, a little bit on the website, and I made a contact there who happened to give me a job at another website later on. And eventually, after I'd been there about six months to a year, they were like, "Hey, you like games? Games are pretty big. We should do something with that." And I'm like, "I am here for you. I am here to write about games until the cows come home and beyond that." And they they promoted me to games editor within about a year, and it was just it was just sort of I just kept dropping games as the conversation on the, on this tech website, just being like, you know, you know, you're covering the console, you should probably cover the games too, and you're sort of dabbling and and trying to push my gaming agenda, I guess, um, and getting it out there. But um, from there, it worked at a few other sites, and I've been uh, at Games Radar for almost three years now, and yeah, I've only been like in this role for about nine months, but honestly, I've Fantastic team, fantastic company to work for. And, um, yeah, I think I've been lucky. I've, I've been lucky about the people I've met and the connection I've made. And I've worked hard to try and, you know, move up the ladder a bit. But yeah, I think that's the, the, the TLDR version of my, my career history so far.
0: That's awesome. So, um, do you have any bigger goals? Do you have dreams that you would like to achieve within this? industry still or are you pretty content with where you're at i mean not i don't mean are you ready to leave obviously but is there something (laughs) bigger or different (laughs) is different maybe a better word something different that you'd still like to do
1: i think i think definitely happy where i am for for a while and i think like what we're trying to build with games radar is very similar to what you're doing like trying to create a positive place to talk about talk about games and you know, we we also cover movies and TV and comics on our site as well. And we want to try and promote that games are inherently good, right? We play them for escape, for fun, for connecting with our friends, particularly in this crazy world that we live in right now where we can't actually physically see our friends as much as we would like to anymore. And, you know, and I want to try and breed some of that positivity because... The gaming industry can be a negative place. It's a very negative place right now. But we want to try and foster that idea that, you know, games are good, they should be celebrated, and you know, we we want to be here for the enjoyment of them.
0: Yeah, that's awesome. And one of the things I really enjoy about your site as well. Um so one other question, does covering games ever affect the way that you play them and enjoy them? And I'm just wondering how that works for you as a reviewer and as someone who Kind of has to put out this content. And, and we were talking about it before we even started recording how this, the point of this show is to always talk about games we love, games we enjoyed. But you're inherently going to be reviewing or covering something that you didn't enjoy. And how does that affect your playing experience with those games?
1: It's interesting because I think, you know, as a games journalist, you can never play anything like a hundred percent for enjoyment because you're always like, Oh, could there be a feature in this? Oh, where's the angle? Like, oh, this character's really interesting or you know a, a lot of our a lot of our time you know personally and professionally is spent talking about games that we've liked and why and, and analyzing them but I think what we try and do on Radar and what I try to do personally is just always find the positive angle like even a masterpiece like The Last of Us 2 has flaws and that's and that makes them interesting to talk about but you can still find the good in every game I think and yeah, especially like if there's good intent behind a game or things like that. It's, it's it's important to try and find that silver lining even in a bad game.
0: Well, good. Okay, good. Well, I'm glad it doesn't ruin anything because I, I wondered that and how, you know, it can be very different when you're trying to take... I do it for movies all the time with my movie podcast where when I'm watching a movie and I'm having to take notes to make sure yeah. I remember the plot points or write down quotes when I'm in a press screening or whatever the case may be, it's a very different experience than when I just sit down at home and just watch something without any worry about talking about it, you know? yeah. Um, And
1: sometimes there's a big pressure. Like if you're reviewing a game and you've got maybe, you know, 10 days to complete it, you're mm -hmm. like, Oh God, it's like a 90 hour game. Where where am I going to fit this time in? Cause you want to give it the time it needs to, you know, get through to the credits and see everything that that game has to offer. So you, you know that you're giving your readers the fullest picture of, of that experience. But like, I think, I regularly pinch myself and be like, this is what I do for a living. Yeah. I'm playing video games and writing about them. Like a lot of people want to get into this industry and you know, are finding it difficult. And I try and remind myself, like as much as it's really stressful, like it is an inherently silly job that's fantastically, <laughs> fantastically wonderful every day. And people go, Oh, you play video games for a living. And I'm like, yeah, yeah, yes.
0: That's great. Well, the first thing we talk about with regards to specific games here is I, I like to kind of get an idea of what you've enjoyed in the last six months or so. And I I say six months, just I, I want this to be a place for recommendations for listeners who may have not heard about a game or something you're just like really, really into um, recently that you could recommend. So anything that you've played that really stuck out to you recently?
1: I think the, apart from Animal Crossing, which I think the entire world is playing right now. We are, uh, yes. <laughs> we, okay, everyone's playing it right now, uh, even Elijah Wood. Uh, <laughs> the, the thing I've been balancing that with is, is a game called Among Trees, which is a, a game that just launched in early access on the Epic Store. And, um, it's basically a, a, a survival game. You have to try and make it through every day gathering resources, avoiding bear attacks, building a little home. You start off with like a little hovel and then you build like a a greenhouse and a crafting room and like a kitchen. But it's, it's one of the most beautiful games I've ever seen. It's like they crammed the entire color spectrum into the sky and made it into this like pastel paradise where like I almost died once because I didn't realise a bear was watching me because I was just watching the sun go down in it. Oh, and it's very peaceful, We've got lots of sort of lo fi chill beats as the soundtrack and it it manages to make Trying to Survive a beautiful experience, which I think is you know, quite a lot. I love games like The Long Dark, which is, you know, also beautiful but very terrifying and cold and a slightly oppressive feeling in in the way that you're like, Oh god, am I gonna survive as you're like shivering round a fire? But Beyond Trees, sort of uh among trees rather, really strips back like, yes, you still have to survive and you have to craft and find materials. But there's something very therapeutic and peaceful about that. So it's a nice escape from like the craziness of reality right now. Mm-hmm. And then something else I've enjoyed in the last six months is is Concrete Genie. It was a PS4 exclusive that came out the very tail end of last year. Um, And it's about a young boy who has been drawing imaginary friends to try and console himself from being bullied. And he's trying to reinvigorate a a neighborhood where he grew up and, and fill it with color once more. And you sort of Follow his journey. You end up drawing the monsters yourself with the PS4 touchpad. So it's very interactive and, um, these monsters come to life and you help and they help you solve puzzles and uh, fight against the bullies. And it sounds like, you know, quite a childish game, but it has some really serious adult themes going on in it. And, you know, graphically is absolutely gorgeous and, and it's almost cyberpunk-esque in the color scheme and the neon lights it uses and the powers that you get through the game. So, sort of among the sort of themes that life is strange and games like that really dial into so definitely worth a look if you're if you're at all interested in games like life is strange and things like that and yeah there's also rise a simple story which is um it's weird to say i enjoy it because it's a game about like loss and you play as an old man looking back at his life and and the hardships that he's been through but hmm. Each level of the game sort of explores a different part of his life, whether it's like falling in love or growing up. And each game has completely different mechanics depending on what it's exploring. I don't want to spoil it because it's it's one of those games that you kind of have to go into without knowing too much about it. But there's no words. It's just like beautiful orchestral scores uh, and some of the most inventive level design I've seen in a long time. And it's again, came out at the end of last year, so I feel like it didn't get the credit it deserved. Um, it's made by a small, um, indie studio in, in Barcelona in Spain. And it's utterly beautiful. I cried at least twice. My boyfriend came through and I was just like, <laughs> you're going to have to give me a minute. Um, but it's, it's fantastic. Like one of, one of the best works of storytelling in recent years anyway.
0: What style of movement is, is it character wise? Is it like a 3D platformer type? Yeah.
1: Yeah, 3D platformer type. It's got some puzzle solving. There's like a level where you've got to like use your torch to like beat monsters away and sort of stay in the light and there's fire and yeah, there's, it's, it's multifaceted, but definitely the core is like 3D platformer.
0: Uh, And where did you play that one? Where can we find it? That
1: is on PC and PS4, I think. Outstanding. Have to double check that. That's fine. That's good enough for us. People can
0: (laughs) people can Google it. We're it's just you know we're just we're only telling the lazy ones that where it is. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Well, that's awesome. No, I'm really glad to hear that. Especially those are I I have had Among Trees on my radar. I didn't know anything about Rise. That sounds amazing. And then Concrete Genie is one that I expect to play very soon, and I'm excited. I'm excited, but also nervous because I can't draw, and so the whole idea of using the touchpad terrifies me. So I hope it's it's intuitive.
1: drag in like pre-made bodies and just like squish them about oh, a bit and get like spindly arms and, and tails and things so they become like more of like a you know sticking stickers on a page like you did when you were a kid so oh, it I can do that too great. much technical that.
0: <laughs> 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 that's awesome well I'm glad I'm glad it's accessible because yeah I've heard wonderful things about that story too so great well the ones I want to talk about that I've kind of been into lately it's sort of Two that go together hand in hand. One is Peggle 2. I was in love with Peggle 2 back in the day when it first came out in 2013. I I played regular Peggle before it, but Peggle 2 just kind of kicked it up a notch. Um, It's been developed by PopCap Games, published by EA, currently on Xbox and PS4. And I'm sure it's on PC. I don't know if it's on PC. I would assume it's on PC. Pretty much all of their games are on PC, and they all have mobile versions as well. Um, I've always been a fan of PopCap's puzzle games, whether it's this one or Bejeweled or Plans for Zombies or underrated series like Zuma and Bookworm. I just gravitate towards them. I think that they have a great aesthetic to them. But this one has always just been one of my favorite puzzle games, and it's, it's... For those that don't know, it's essentially Plinko, think from The Price is Right, meets Brick Breaker. (laughs) And a buddy of mine, Stephen Keller, came up with that kind of description of it, and I thought it was very fitting. You're basically just going through these levels, and you have pegs and bricks, and you're trying to collect all of the orange-colored pegs, and sometimes you're trying to clear all of the bricks as well, but usually the bricks are just in your way. And you have a certain amount of balls. To do so, if you make a great shot, sometimes your ball will go into a little bucket that's going back and forth at the bottom of the level, and it will allow you to have that ball back. So it's sort of like, kind of like a pinball-esque type of action there. And it's great. There are a lot of different characters that you get to use, all of course with their own unique power, and so it changes the gameplay and I've just found it to be fascinating to me how they can design something so simple as drop a ball on a bunch of pegs, and yet when you give it all of these powers, you completely change the way in which you can approach this. And it takes a lot of thinking and planning and trying to get your mind around it's almost like playing pool, like or billiards, when you're you're working on the geometry of your shots and how something is going to maximize hitting the most pegs possible to get the biggest score. Um, recently, I've re-downloaded it, and I decided I was going to work on platinuming it, and so it's one that my daughter and I like to play together, and even my son will join in, and we'll just, it's one of those games that's perfect for us, have two teenagers, and we just pass the controller, you know, back and forth, um, and we take turns trying to beat these levels and, and get the challenges done, and so it's a great communal experience, and it's, Fun competition, you know, amongst the family, because we like to really give it to each other when one of us (laughs) succeeds and the others do not. Uh, And and the reason that I went back to Peggle 2 is because a couple months ago, a game came out called Roundguard, and they describe it, they being Wonderbelly Games from here in my hometown of Seattle, as a bouncy dungeon crawler with pinball physics, lots of loot, and randomized castle of levels. Now it's basically Peggle Two meets like Slay the Spire is the way I would exp- explain it. Um, you don't have as many characters in Round Guard because it's got more of an RPG feel to it than just puzzle. You can play as a wizard, a thief, or a warrior, and they all have different abilities, just like you would in Peggle Two. But they really do play uniquely because some of them have higher health, some of them have the ability to do more AoE type damage to the the quote-unquote pegs which in this game are a lot of times enemies. And it's fascinating to play and it's so much fun. I just I absolutely love it. The aesthetic is adorable. The characters are what you shoot out, so instead of shooting out balls, you shoot a little circular version of your wizard warrior or thief and they yep yeah, i love that you're doing i almost wish we had video right now sam because that was awesome depiction of what it looks like but yeah they just like swing their little arms out and they put a little smile on their face They're like we you know and you shoot them at the enemies and it's a blast i just love it like i said it's like slay the spire in reverse instead of climbing this path of Uh, uh, upwards um, into a tower you're going down into a dungeon and you can choose to go left and maybe get a piece of equipment uh, that will upgrade you but you might have to fight a couple extra monsters if you do that or you could choose to go a faster route and kind of beeline to a boss if you are at high health or you have high mana and you want to like maximize your attempt to do that ultimately you only have three or so levels to go down three bosses or so to fight and so it becomes about winning a run uh, like like a rogue like and then the high score aspect of how well you do it's cool because you can when you die you unlock an ability that your character will use on the next run so sort of rogue light in that in that way um, the better you do on each run you're gonna have a, a wheel that you spin and there it gives you a higher chance for a more powerful ability and then if you beat a run you unlock a rune which, I would compare it to something like a skull in Halo because you can essentially change the rules of the game and, and make it harder or make it a different, a little bit of a different unique gameplay experience when you play it with that activated. And, and I just love it. Um, my daughter currently has our high score and it has not been forgotten yes, for no months. Way. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. She's um, she will not shut up about it. Period. As she calls herself the round guard master. Uh, so I have, I have to call myself the Peggle Master every chance I get because I'm trying to, I can't beat her. I haven't beat her. I've tried. I haven't beat her yet in Round Guard, but I love it. It's on Switch. It's on PlayStation 4. It's on Xbox. It's on Windows. It's everywhere. And
1: Apple Arcade too, right?
0: I think. Oh yeah. That's actually, actually, it launched on Apple Arcade. It was one of their original titles, I think. And then it came out here six months later. Um, and my only hope for this game is honestly more classes. Uh, I've, <laughs> Tweeted it Wonderbelly and, and told them this. I don't know if they have any desire to do it, but it just feels like the game that is perfect. Like, rarely do I play a game where I'm like, "Hey, I want DLC" or "I want like to pay you more money." But I would pay you more money if you gave me, you know, a new sorcerer class that acted a little bit differently, or a ranger. You know, like I feel like a ra- I feel like the the ranger is missing here. When you talk about wizard, thief, and warrior, a ranger is very or a cleric. You know, give me the, you know, give me all the, the classes because I think it would be a lot of fun. Absolutely. So, all right. Well, with those recommendations out of the way, we can get into what I call the big one. And in this case, it's not a big one. It's a little one, actually. <laughs> so it's the big one, but it's the little one. Uh, we're going to talk about Journey. And before we get started, I do want to give a spoiler warning. I sometimes forget to do this on our show, and it's usually not a big deal, but there are certain games that you need to go into an experience for yourself with very little or no prior knowledge of it. And I would absolutely put Journey in that category. It's, I, It can be completed in like two hours, maybe less, <laughs> depending on what you want to put the into perfect
1: it. Sunday afternoon game.
0: That is exactly when I replayed it. So yes, <laughs> it is the perfect Sunday afternoon game. And so there really is no excuse. If you're a PS Plus subscriber and you have been for several years, you probably have this for free. They gave it away, I think last year at some point. I can't, remember. they've yeah. probably given it away several times. Yeah. yeah. So please check it out. Um, please play it and then come back and you can listen to us talk about it. But all right. With that said, Sam, I always start by asking this question. What made Journey one of the games you chose when I asked you what you'd love to talk about? You know, why is it a favorite for you?
1: I think it's a favourite for me because, because it was so different from anything I'd ever played. I played it before I I got into the gaming industry as a journo, and I had, I had no idea what to expect. It was this game that I'd seen you know, the magazines talking about and, pe- and people, I knew my friends had been playing it and they were like, it's time we have to play this game. I remember just taking those first steps out onto the sand and seeing the mountain with the the sun in the background and and not knowing anything about what I was meant to do, just taking those first steps and the music kicking in. And then like another player who I thought was just like a weird AI following me joined my journey, uh, literally my journey in journey. And it was one of those games where it made me feel so much by saying so little. I think it was the first time I realised that games didn't have to be about, you know, Beating a boss or, you know, it didn't have to be about guns or to about, like, aggression. It could just be about a physical journey that you make and the emotions that you feel along the way. And I think it had, it had a lot of emotions for me and it still does. And I think, I've, I think I've replayed it about seven times now, at least. Um, and it never, it never gets old. It never loses its charm or, or, or the, or the emotion that it, it builds in you as you, as you play.
0: Yeah, I think I think that the length of it also is such a great contributor to that, because there's a lot of games that I would put on my top 20 list of all time that I've only played once. And it's not because I don't love them, (laughs) obviously, it's because they're long or they're huge and there's so many games to play. And so going back to get the experience of that, it takes so long to get the same experience again, whereas Journey you can recreate that once a year easily, you know, or more frequently.
1: Just go. Yeah. I mean, you
0: really could. Yeah, it is. It's just, it it never gets old. Even when you know what you're doing, because it's, it's a, it sounds so dumb to keep saying it, but it's about the journey. It's not about playing it to beat or playing it to defeat something. As you mentioned, my daughter kept saying that over and over when we were replaying it for the show, she just kept telling me like, it's about the journey. In fact, I'll quickly say I was going to platinum it, and I was working on quote-unquote getting the platinum. I put that in quotes because we had been working on it throughout the afternoon, and we were frustrated because we couldn't get something done that required multiplayer. And unfortunately, this trophy is, you know, you you can't force multiplayer in this game. So it, it required a lot of luck to happen. And I was like, hey, guess what? And I just started busting out laughing. I was like, this game doesn't have a platinum trophy. <laughs> I didn't even realize it. Like, I was going for 100%, but, like, there is no actual platinum trophy. And for trophy hunters, you know, that's a big deal. Like, I want the – yeah, 100% is fine, but, like, I need the platinum. So she was like, Dad, it's about the journey. You know, like it, it's fine. She wanted to continue doing it because she was enjoying the experience. And And so – For her, it was not about, like, hey, just getting from point A to point B. And I think Journey does such a great job of, like, creating that in gamers who don't even naturally think that they would enjoy that, right? Because most of us would look at that, a lot of us would look at it and be like, no, no way. That'd be, why would I want to do that? Like, I need to accomplish something. Yeah. But then you get into it.
1: With a scarf, like, what are you talking about?
0: Mm -hmm. But it sucks you in. And I think one of the reasons is that is it's visually and aesthetically so unique and so beautiful and so pleasing. It's just a treat. How does that make it stand out compared to other games you've played?
1: I think, you know, if we look at this game, it came out at the end of the PS3 generation. Um, and it's fairly simple in terms of the colour palette, and, um, you know, it's just quite a sort of silhouetted character with this, this this flowing scarf and, you know, quite just a lot of sand. A lot of sand, but it was the way it blended like a a wordless story with those simple, simple graphics. And, and it created moments that, you know, will transcend generations of gaming. That moment where you're sliding down that slope, the sun comes in the background between these, these, these columns and the music swirls in and you're like, Ooh, I felt something there that like, uh, of where the light and the sound all come together to, to really give you goosebumps. And even thinking about that now, I, I get quite emotional about it because it, you forget, I think the simple pleasures of, of just seeing an environment or, or seeing beauty. And, and they did so well at capturing that essence of like nature and, and, and just awe, I think that not many games do. And like, you know, if you compare it with, Other other games that do amazing things with with graphics in terms of realism and stuff. It's journey is quite stylized, but it gets away with it because it's focusing on how it makes you feel by combining all those elements to create something quite magical.
0: No, it's definitely extremely short, like we said. But I wanted to ask what the story means to you. Like, what do you get from it? Because it's kind of an an analogy, I guess, or it's very. It's not hammered home there's no dialogue (laughs) so you're kind of going through this game and you're drawing out the story through a series of glyphs that you are unlocking that i guess my best understanding is that we are following along the journey of this character and their civilization and what has happened to it so um, do you relate or does the story resonate with you in any specific way
1: i think for me it was The the peacefulness was about reflection, and you know, in a in a way, you're a lone character exploring, making this journey to the sun on the top of the mountain in a very peaceful way. That you know what your obstacles are, you know what your end of your journey is going to be, and you and it strips back everything that clutters that journey, and you 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 get quite a focus in that there's no there's no side quests there's no npcs to interact with there is just one simple goal and your emotions along that way and i think for me it it made me think about loneliness i think for me and, and and how it feels to have focus in loneliness and and to achieve a goal despite the fact that sometimes you may not have the help that you need and when other characters do come in, there's a sense of relief and, and, and companionship that you that you don't even realize until they suddenly appear. You're like, oh, yeah, I have been alone for a really long time. And, that, and then suddenly their presence feels so much more welcome.
0: Yeah, I would agree wholeheartedly with that. The <laughs> mechanic, me- me- it does evoke loneliness in a big way. Uh, it's vast, right? Like you said, it's so much sand. There's not a lot of structures around you. Um, you know, especially in the beginning levels. I mean, you're you're literally the first level is that's called desert, and you are hunting out the occasional structure, and whether it's the AI scarves that are like magic carpets, essentially that you are freeing from whatever this oppressive thing is that has captured them or or sucked them, you know, kept them locked up, gaining their assistance. We felt such a strong connection with them and then ultimately the other players i would go back to my daughter just kind of geeking out being like she's you know pal 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 and and we play games very differently and, and i love that because it gives me an opportunity to see how different people and can kind be affected by something she will spam that button because in the game the mechanic you know is that you have this one button that allows you to essentially ping And you can ping short and brief, and or you can make one big long ping that kind of extends louder. And often what will happen is that character will come in to your world, and you won't even know it until you've pinged, and you hear a ping off in the distance. That feeling of like, oh my god, there's something there. Like, there is something out there, you know, that is responding to me. You know, and I had no, I had, no, that,
1: I had yeah. no idea when I first played it that that was another person as well. I just, it just felt so odd in a world where you know Call of Duty multiplayer, everyone is so loud and so vocal, and and so you're so aware of them that suddenly like this nameless thing that joins you silently, it's almost something quite pure about it. There's it's, it's just about being alone together and, and just existing in that space.
0: Yeah. So with the mechanic of that being something that you can't control right this other player that appears or doesn't appear you can go through this entire game without having that character assist you or you could meet someone in the first level and they could joyfully go through the entire game with you how does that mechanic work for you as far as trying to communicate with this other person like what is that experience like in this game
1: i think for me it was the beginning of some of a a form of communication that I think has transcended into other games. Like if you look at something like Fortnite or Apex Legends, they use this same sort of ping system to let you communicate with people without having to have your mic on. And it was, it it showed me a new way to communicate in games because like I'd, I'd grown up trying to play multiplayer games. But as soon as I started speaking, Boys would just shout shout me down and be like, ooh, girls don't play video games. And I became very scared of of being who I was online. So it was a lot easier to be, you know, not speak or just not or just not play online games. Go back to my my, my Game Boy and my solitary gaming experience. But then for me, knowing that there was a game like Journey where I could play multiplayer and it felt like a safe space was really important. And it's, you know, and that's carried forward and like, I've got more confident. I know that I can be a girl in the gaming industry and, and, and not be shouted down despite what Twitter may, may try. Um, mm-hmm. but yeah, it was, it was really important because it like having a companion in this game didn't change the experience. It just made it a different one. It was just as enjoyable on your own or with the, you know, with the presence of somebody else. And I've played it both ways and it still feels like, it doesn't lose anything. You just, every now and then you may ping. And sometimes there isn't, and that's okay. If you know, yeah, like who's there? Um But yeah, I think that the mechanic allows you to choose whether you want to share your experience or whether you do just want to make that journey on your own.
0: And and it does have an additional value in the gameplay as well, because if there is another player there, then that player allows you to renew your power boost so you know because the the game essentially is your character just floating slash walking through levels and you use your scarf to jump your scarf has to be powered up or you can't jump and when you have another player with you you can ping each other to power up your scarf which otherwise takes collecting a specific thing that's out in the world so it you know with someone else's help it Replicates that feeling of like, you can do so much more together than you can do alone. I mean, you can do it alone. And that's, for me, that's what I pull out of this game is like, you can accomplish everything, like you said, by playing through it completely solo. But you can accomplish it faster and easier in some ways if you have someone with you. And in some ways, you're, it's like life. You're going to be challenged in other ways because That person's going to run off ahead of you and may try to complete the level while you're trying to do the collectibles to get the daggum trophy. Not that that has happened to me, but it did. And it's frustrating, right? But you are trying to learn that communication to somebody else and you're trying to figure out how to do that. And
1: that's, that's life. That's life. Um, yeah, I I think, think, yeah, that's where the analogy comes in. I think it's like, yes, you can do everything on your own, but it is easier with somebody by your side and, you know, working in a team is incredibly rewarding and it does make some things easier. And even without being able to communicate someone through, you know, language barriers or other difficulties, or even just physical distance like we're experiencing right now, I think it becomes a beautiful analogy for the importance of communication and and companionship.
0: Now, have you played any other titles from that game company it's one of my favorite names of the it feels game
1: like they. you've forgotten their name doesn't it? it's like you know that game company that one over there
0: <laughs> is there anything else you'd recommend by them
1: uh all of their games uh flower which i think was their second game um is also beautiful where you literally play as the wind gathering petals from flowers and um sort of not quite repollinating the earth but bringing life back into valleys through the, the beauty of, of uh, the wind and just music um and it's um the music is depending dependent on what you do in the game so if you happen to you know flow past a flower some some music will come in and the more petals you pick up the more the music will build so it becomes this this beautiful another journey about you know wandering through polluted areas or just natural wildlife and trying to and trying to bring the spirit of the of nature back into the world um i haven't played their latest game which is called sky which i think is a multiplayer game uh on it um, originally launched on ipad i'm not actually sure if it's on other platforms but i I know that you can usually buy flower and journey together as like a as a combo if you haven't played either yet
0: yeah they also have one called flow that was their other original game um, which is the undersea version of Journey and Flower. And yeah, I highly recommend it as well. I absolutely love it. It's, they're so aesthetically different. I mean, they're, they're also similar, but yet with different locales, um, it gives it an opportunity to feel very different. Um, I haven't played Sky. My daughter actually beta tested it as part of iPad, uh, the iOS. It was Apple Arcade, I believe is where it launched, like you said. Um, and then it, I think it's out now somewhere. Yeah. But I haven't gotten yeah. to it yet either. She said it has a very journey feel to it, the way the multiplayer works, that she compared it to journey. So yeah, so, but I, I, I too, I stand this company big time. I think that they're amazing. I love indie game companies that are passionately making games that are not like anybody else. Um, and that are so true to clearly what a vision is within that company. Like they want to provide a certain kind of experience and they are doing that. And it's,
1: Really fantastic.
0: And Journey is just the tippy top of the mountain to keep the puns going, I guess. Oh,
1: very good. good. <laughs> uh, I also, yeah, they definitely have like a visual aesthetic that flows, flows through all their games <laughs> from Flow to Sky. Um, you always know that it's that game company title, which I think is actually really important because you know, you know what you're going to get. You know, you're going to get a, a visual splendor as you play so it's like you know that the bar is set quite high
0: yeah yeah for sure well this has been great sam i really appreciate you making the time to join me um on your tuesday evening (laughs) (laughs) you're in england and i'm in seattle washington so we are i think eight hours difference right now so that's fun um but can you tell people where they can find your work, where on Games Radar, what it do you still review? Do you still write? Do you make videos? What's out there for them to find and where can they contact
1: you? You can find me all over Games Radar, like some sort of plague. I still review, still write, still make videos. Um so you can find me there, or you can find me on Twitter, Instagram, uh on the handle Apache Rose 3, which yes is from an old Red Hot Chili Pepper song, but I got the blue tick, so I can't change it now. <laughs>
0: I like it. I like it. I was gonna ask, so I'm glad that you did. I was waiting for this section so that I could ask you what the significance of the username was.
1: I freaking love the Chili's and that song. So, yeah, that's it's gonna follow me everywhere now. It's Xbox Live, PSN, Switch. So I'm stuck with it. Choose wisely,
0: people listening, because if you (laughs) once you pick it, you're you're stuck. I have a big story about that myself, and I oh, I I have some regrets. Is all I will say. But listeners, if you like what you've heard here, please subscribe, share us with your friends, follow us on Twitter and other social media at the games we love, or you can follow me personally at Aaron L. White, that's Aaron E-L-W-H-I-T-E. I also stream on Twitch weekly, mostly games that are good for you to come and backseat game. I'm a big fan of that, so I just like hanging out and chatting while I play games. I'd love to have you follow, come talk about your favorite games, movies, or anything else that makes you happy. You can find me there, twitch.tv slash Aaron L. White. Here on the show, we have plenty of more conversations coming in this first season with amazing folks that you're not going to want to miss out on. We have Khalif Adams from the Spawn On Me podcast coming up. We have Matt Kim from IGN coming up among others as a reminder if you leave a five-star review on your listening platform of choice it will also help us grow and get noticed and is much appreciated samantha thank you again for coming on and talking to me sharing your passion for games with us it has been awesome and thank you so much for listening everyone because this podcast is for you we'll be back next week and until then get out there and fall in love with